Welcome back to the second installment of Martyr Stories. Today I'm going to read to you about Polycarp. The last time that I read to you, I read of a very specific instance which we can kind of still relate to today. This time we're going to hop back in time a good ways. For a, for a specific reason that I'm going to tell you about later on. I'm reading today from The Story of Christianity, Volume 1, by Justo Gonzalez. And this covers the time from the early church, just after Jesus ascends into heaven, all the way up to right before the Reformation. And specifically, Polycarp, who we're reading about, uh, this, this particular event takes place in 155 during a time where persecution was the norm and has been the norm for a while now. So to give you kind of like a little bit of a historical idea of what's going on at this point. Uh, during the time of Jesus, Israel was under Roman rule. And for the most part, Rome was pretty open towards Judaism practicing what it practiced, uh, though there was some, some issue there with uh, demanding that a tax be paid and that uh, Roman gods also be worshipped if you don't want to pay the tax, if I'm remembering that correctly. But at this point in, in the story, time goes on, Jesus comes and he's seen as a revolutionary. Now, he never lifts a finger. He never lifts a violent finger. But they're seen as the enemy. They're seen as the enemies of Rome, and they're seen as the enemies of Israel. I mean, we saw that from when uh, the religious leaders of the day the Pharisees, who would have been considered the more conservative of the uh, Jewish leaders, and uh, the Sadducees, who were more of the, I don't want to say liberal, but liberal-ish type of leaders. These two groups, which had always had issues, came together in order to go after Jesus. And at this point, we move forward a hundred years, and then Christianity is starting to be seen as an enemy of Rome. Still not violent, but seen as kind of like what we were talking last time about um, how communist countries tend to be very anti-religion and especially anti-Christianity. Believing in Jesus was seen as being an affront to the state. Like this religion itself could overturn the state of Rome. And that's why the Roman emperors went after him so much. Before this guy, Pliny, who was uh, the one who was in charge while Polycarp was being put to death, uh, he was following on the rules of his predecessor, Trajan. Polycarp at this time was an old man And when he was arrested, his torturers would tell him, 
old man, you need to just confess. You need to just say that you reject Christ and you serve the emperor. You're an old man. There's no reason for you to have to go through all of these punishments. Live out your life in peace. And Polycarp just would not do it. Over and over and over, he refused. That brings us to our reading. This is, I forgot to look at the chapter number, chapter 6. And in my edition, uh, it is on page 54. When the old bishop learned that he was being sought, he followed the advice of his flock and hid for several days. But after having moved to another hiding place and still being discovered, he decided that his arrest was the will of God and refused to flee any further and calmly awaited those who came after him. Now, before I keep reading in this actual section, I want to skip forward a moment um, because there's something else that happened during this time of fleeing and hiding. Uh, skipping down a little bit and I'll come back up. We are also told that in the same account that a certain Quintus who offered himself as a martyr weakened at the last moment and abandoned his faith. All right, so he escapes. And then Quintus, who is also um, a strong man of faith. Both of them are being pursued, but in the last minute, Quintus turns back. Word of this had to have reached Polycarp. But instead of turning and fleeing, he decides that he's going to wait for his persecutors to come. He's not leading a violent revolution. He's waiting for mankind to send him into the arms of God. Continuing, continuing reading where we were a minute ago. The proconsul who presided his trial tried to persuade him to worship the emperor, urging him to consider his advanced age. And uh, before I get to this point... Um, the Christians of the day were considered to be atheists because they didn't worship an idol. They, they, the Romans were very idol-centric, and they were very, uh, you know, they worshipped the emperor as well. The emperor is a physical person, and his statue is everywhere. You see him, you bow to it. This leads the Romans to call the Christians atheists if that's not too strange for you. They're called atheists because uh, their God is not visible. It's kind of weird, but that's when you hear them say atheists, the Romans are referring to Christians because they don't believe in a visible God. When Polycarp refused, the judge ordered him to cry out with the atheists. In this, the judge is trying to refer to Christians. Out with the Christians is what he's trying to say. To this, Polycarp responded by pointing at the crowd around him and saying, Yes, out with the atheists. Man, what, what, what a turd nugget. But, I mean, like, go for it, dude. I mean, the guy's old. He's firm in his faith. And he's just like, nah, heck, I'm going to die. Let's go out with a blaze of glory. Again, the judge insisted, promising that if he would swear by the emperor and curse Christ, that he would be free to go. And here's what's interesting, and here's why I bring up Polycarp in the first place. 
But Polycarp replied, For eighty-six years I have served him, and he has done me no evil. How can I curse my king who saved me? Thus the dialogue went on. When the judge threatened him with being burned alive, Polycarp simply answered that the fire that the judge could light would only last a moment, whereas the eternal fire would never go out. Finally, we are told that after he was tied to the post in the pyre, he looked up and prayed aloud, Lord, sovereign God, I thank you that you have deemed me worthy of this moment so that jointly with your martyrs, I may have a share in the cup of Christ. For this, I bless and glorify you. Amen. And thus brings the death of Polycarp. In the face of death, he accepts it with open arms. Not to be suicidal and not to say that my life's worth nothing, so you might as well kill me. He counted it as a blessing to be amongst the persecuted believers. He counted it as a blessing to be killed alongside his other brothers and sisters in Christ who have been put to death for their faith in God. You had an empire and an emperor who was fiercely against Christianity, fiercely against the name of Jesus, even going so far as to call them atheists just because they don't believe in a physical figure that's still on this earth. We don't worship statues, but it doesn't make us atheists. Still a really weird thing to say, but I mentioned Polycarp because Polycarp was given every opportunity to turn back. He would have been let completely off the hook. He was an old man, and they realized he was an old man. And especially, especially for back in that time when people didn't live as long, Getting up to your 80s is pretty impressive. And they offered him time and time again, reject Christ and, and worship the emperor and all of this will go away. And he refuses to. The Roman Empire might not exist now, but a lot of the same persecutions and temptations are seen by those who are under communist rule today. I bring up communism a lot because it's, I, I think that this might just be, if God permits and uh, people act the way that they should, this could be the last stand of communism. But we don't understand how bad it is. I read to you last week about the freezing chambers that a, uh, these Russian, Romanian, and Ukrainian prisoners were put in. I read to you just now about an 86-year-old man who was burned to death and so many other terrible things that happened. And yet still their faith was far more important to them. That's the kind of faith that we should be praying for right now. So as you go about your, your weeks and your months, as you go about studying the Word of God and praying with your other brothers and sisters. 
Pray that God makes you into that kind of a brave soul. Who realizes that death is coming and goes out literally in a blaze of glory, praising God at the top of his lungs so that everyone can hear. And there's some cool stories I've got to share with you of uh, prison guards and other persecutors of Christians who came to the faith because of someone who was faithful to the very end. Pray that God makes you and me faithful to the end, regardless of what comes. That's all I've got for you guys today. I'll see you all later.